Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another strange and empty day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Emma Summersby, Managing Director of Summersby Media, a dynamic professional media solutions company specializing in copywriting and PR for the hair and beauty industry. Emma, hello. Hello. Well, thank you for coming on the show today. Uh, normally, I would ask, uh, what does the word leader mean to you as my lead question, which we will get to. Uh, but how is the current COVID-19 situation affecting your business? Oh, goodness. It's, um, it, at this moment in time, it's having a major impact um, on my industry. Um, my specific business right now today is busy because we have got a lot of communications messages to get right. out there. Um, but that said, the industry has already been hit massively. Um, we specialize in the hair and beauty sector and there are salons that you know, have already had to close their doors. Um, we're estimating that there's going to be thousands and thousands of salons that won't survive this. Um, I know of people already who have lost their jobs. I know of people that have had to subsequently uh, hand, hand their notice in on their properties because they cannot afford the rent. And uh, yeah, within days, as I'm sure many other industries are, are experiencing, but within days, um, it's, it's come like a, a massive summit uh, on, on the industry. It really has. Now, uh, has there been any uh, hope uh, for the industry from the Chancellor's um, uh, statement uh, that they would be helping to support uh, staff's wages during this period of time? Really? Not not, not really, no. Because, um, for example, I spoke to uh, a client last night who has uh, 26 staff. And uh, all their wages need paying. His corporation tax is due. Uh, his VAT is due. And uh, there is nobody coming into their salons. And, you know, our salons will operate on a business where money comes in and money goes out. And um, it's incredibly hard for, for, for any, any business on the high street, but particularly hairdressing salons, if they're, if they're constantly reinvesting in their training and, and maintaining standards then it's incredibly hard for them to have enough funds um, in the bank to keep them going for six months. You know, it's just, that is just not possible for many, many salons, um, many small businesses, many small salons. So they, they, they just don't have that kind of funds in reserve. So, um, so immediately right now, no, I don't think there is a lot of hope for them, but I'm hoping that today um, we will get better news for them. Well, let's pivot back to leadership. And as regular listeners of the podcast will be expecting me to ask you, what does the word leader mean to you? The word leader to me, I mean, I think of leadership in many ways. I think of it as a, as a business owner, as a mother, as a, as a, as a daughter. And I think, I think ultimately it, it's about setting an example and, um, and, and really just, just, Making a decision and 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 making that decision that you believe is right. Um, I don't believe in stuffing around. I don't believe you know. You, you make decisions. You you hope mm. that they're right, 
and uh, you, you you guide from 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 experience really, whether that's motherhood, whether that's businesses, whatever whatever it is. All you can all you can pull on is is what you know and what you've experienced in your life. So I think leadership is about digging deep and finding those things really in your core and, and thinking, okay, what is the right decision to make right here, right now? And, and going with it and, make, and acting and acting and making decisions. So it's very important to provide stability. Stability, did you say? Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think even when you feel yourself, and I've gone through this in my business, um, Many times, um, you know, there's been many times where I've been worried sick about the future of the business and are we going to survive these next three months? Are we going to get through these next six months? Um, you know, what does the future hold, particularly at the moment? But I just think you have to just have faith and not panic and just think, you know what, no one's died. You know, ironically, at this moment in time, people are dying and, and that's the tragic the tragic thing about this current climate but you have to just be calm and think we'll get through this of course. whether it's a business crisis whatever it is now let's go back uh to uh, an earlier time in fact back to the very beginning of your career in the working world were there any particular individuals or circumstances that really formed the way that you lead today yeah, there are actually. I mean, I've been really lucky. My background was initially in journalism, and then I, um, I then moved into to PR and, and social media. And I've been really lucky that I've worked with many um, inspiring women who have been great leaders. Um, my first publisher and editor, um, a lady named Jane Lewis, was one of them who who always stood out stood out to me as being somebody who who showed great leadership and, uh, and and really, um, you know, really showed me from a very young age that actually you can be a mother, you can be a, a business owner, you can, you can run a team. Um, and you just have to, you just have to be smart about it all and, and you just have to prioritize things. And uh, so, yeah, I've been very blessed. I've worked with many clients as well over the years who have, have really inspired me and, mm. uh, and, and sort of show me that, you know, show me, I think most importantly, that the most important thing is to be yourself and to not be, not try and be somebody that you're not. Um, you know, you are what you are and the upbringing is the upbringing you've had and the school is the school that you went to. And none of that, none of that actually matters if you are who you are and you are true to yourself, I think, in business. I think people buy people and I think people invest in people that they, they, they believe are honest, they're good, honest people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's especially true in business today. Now, do you find that it's important to provide a mentorship uh, program within your business? You know what? My business is really small. And in terms of um, mentoring, I, I'm constantly mentoring and I'm very hands-on, I'm very, um, you know, I to communicate and I'm not, not one for red tape, I'll be, I'll be really honest and a lot of small businesses aren't. Um, for me, that's why I don't work in the in the corporate world. I work with corporate organisations, um, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. So I'm on the outside as a contractor and actually I think my, my take on things is very refreshing for them because, um, you know, I'm not governed by red tape because to me that's why I work for myself and 
and that's why I I've moved away from that that world. So um, in terms of mentorship, um, yeah, it's constantly it's ongoing and it's um, it's real. It's, it's communicating. You know, I I don't like to put things in a box too much, and uh, I don't like to be too uh, regimental about uh, mentoring. It's just really um, you know guiding people daily, really. Well, of course, there are many challenges that affect small businesses. What is the, aside from the current uh, COVID-19 situation, what is the uh, biggest challenge facing small businesses? I think for my business, it's the, it's the stability, really. Of, I mean, the stability of keeping keeping the, the, the business and keeping the accounts and, and, and then growing um, because, Certainly, you know, what I do, there are no shortcuts. You know, we need manpower, we need expertise to be able to um, guide our clients. And, um, you know, it's very hard to get to a certain stage where you have a certain amount of clients and a certain amount of staff. And then it's very hard to then grow um, and to go to the next level and then to go to the next level again. Um, And, you know, I've found that the last decade, you know, it's constantly kind of, two steps forward, three steps back, one step forward, four steps back, three steps forward. You know, it's just that constant, um, it's relentless. You just have to keep going and, and you have to, you know, I sit back at the end of every year and, and it's probably the only time that I go, well done. You know, you've survived another year in business. You've, you've employed some people. Um, you've contributed to the economy and, and actually you've helped people's businesses and, and you know, it's good on you. But, Actually, it's very hard. You've just got to keep going and you've just not not give up ever and keep going. Now, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close, but what does the next 12 months have in store for Summersby Media? You know what? I think the next 12 months are really about survival. Um, I don't anticipate a huge amount of growth. Um, I think I actually feel at the stage now in my career that I want to give back to my industry and my industry um, has been incredibly good to me and I've had the most wonderful life and, and, and career from, from the hairdressing industry and I, I don't I don't really think about me and my business right now I think about my industry what I can do to those um, that have been there you know throughout my career how we can help each other um, you know what we need to do to, to, to build the industry and, it, and if that means working you know, 24-7 to, to get it back on its feet um, for, for not a lot of return, if any, then so be it because, you know, I feel very, very united with, with my, my peers and our, our, um, our, our salons on the high street and all our organisations and our manufacturers. So, you know, we're going to have to pull together now and really think about how we how we pick ourselves up, dust ourselves down and, and crack on. Um so that's the next 12 months for me, really. It's not about me or my business now. It's about our industry and the much bigger picture. Well, Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. And I wish you and your industry uh, the best of luck in the coming months. And I very much hope that you come back on the program at some point in the future uh, so we can delve back into this discussion. Emma, thank you. Thank you. That was Emma Summersby. Managing Director of Summersby Media. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. 
Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it, and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, <laughs> I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in Sir Ralph Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me. He graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is 
at the top is absolutely vital for a, a for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era I was involved for six or seven years, he it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against 
Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Aaron. So I, mm-hmm. I had the, the impact of thinking I, at that stage I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into him because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you too. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, 
Uh, well, you want me to tell you if you want. You've got time, I think. Tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in, in the Channel Islands, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is- uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it, it, uh, um, it did but make then again, laugh if you laugh If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. No, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a, in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but... There's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, 
and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later. Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we we're successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about. Uh, all of them in, in that breath, and there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year uh, up until about five years ago. Of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish. After '66, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was. A big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great and players. You... We have some great players, of course, but without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that—that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. 
And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.